Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. The Democratic National Committee trying to shake up the presidential primary calendar. It wants South Carolina to go first instead of Iowa. Why? A Democratic strategist asking President Biden to call it quits after this because of his age. If Biden bows out in 2024, who might take his place? The Mar-a-Lago raid saga continues. The special counsel is asking the court to halt the independent review of documents seized by the FBI. How does former President Trump's team respond? The director of the FBI is sounding the alarm about TikTok. Find out why he feels it's become a national security concern. The Democratic National Committee voted to drastically change its 2024 presidential nominating calendar. It comes after President Biden last week suggested changing which state gets to be the first primary state. But there are some obstacles. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more. The Democratic National Committee wants to replace Iowa with South Carolina as the first state to hold a presidential primary. Following the recommendation of President Joe Biden, South Carolina would be followed by Nevada and New Hampshire on the same day. Primaries would also be moved up for Georgia and Michigan and be scheduled before Super Tuesday. The goal is to promote states with more diverse populations. South Carolina, which Biden wants to go first, has a larger black population. The state also helped Biden win the 2020 presidential election. Iowa's been first in the nominating process for the past 50 years. New Hampshire's held the first primary for over 100 years. In the 2020 nomination cycle, Biden struggled in those two states. But in South Carolina, Biden won a decisive victory, bolstered by black voters. After that primary, multiple candidates dropped out and directed their support to Biden. Last Thursday, Biden wrote to the DNC encouraging the party to end closed caucuses. He also wanted it to adjust the early primary calendar to include states that are more diverse. Only DNC representatives from Iowa and New Hampshire, states that go early now, objected to Biden's request. Iowa Democrats argue small rural states should still have a voice. New Hampshire Democrats argue the state's small size, experience hosting the first primary, and high voter participation are reasons why it's an ideal proving ground for presidential campaigns. For the DNC, enacting the calendar change could be a challenge. Primary dates are created at the state level, and every state has its own format. And New Hampshire and Iowa have state laws that ensure their early primary statuses. The changes still need to be approved by a full meeting of the DNC, which is scheduled to take place early next year. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The deadline for absentee ballots has been extended in one Georgia county for the hotly contested U.S. Senate runoff. The ACLU and the Southern Poverty Law Center sued Cobb County because many voters who applied for absentee ballots did not receive them in time. A Superior Court judge is ordering the suburban Atlantic County to extend the deadline for receiving mail-in ballots until December 9th. The ballots have to be postmarked by 7 p.m. on Election Day, which is Tuesday, December 6th. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger criticized the court's ruling, calling it, quote, a horrible idea. Raffensperger calls the last-minute change unfair and worries it may encourage denial of election results. 
President Biden became the first president to reach 80 years old while in office. Now one Democratic strategist says he should call it quits after this and let a new generation take over. Entity's Jessica Beatty takes a look at who could be the Democratic presidential nominee in 2024 if Biden bows out. Now that President Biden is 80 years old, some are wondering if he should run again in 2024. One Democratic strategist told Fox News that Biden should make way for the next generation of Democrats. Colin Struther told Fox the best thing would be for President Biden to call it a day sooner rather than later so that we can be the party of the next generation, not the expiring generation. So who could be the next Democratic presidential nominee if Biden bows out? One logical choice would be Biden's second-in-command, Vice President Kamala Harris. She's already represented the White House at various global events. But her role as border overseer amid the ongoing border crisis is a count against her for Republicans. Adding to that, her approval rating is even lower than President Biden's, according to the LA Times. Another option is Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Although his own 2020 presidential bid fizzled, he's become very popular among Democrats. On the midterm campaign trail, he was one of the most requested presences for Democratic candidates. He was reportedly more sought after than the vice president. Buttigieg is also responsible for handing out money from the bipartisan infrastructure package. But that could give him some trouble. Next year, Republicans will likely investigate how that money's been spent. Another possibility is California lawmaker Ro Khanna. He had a new book out this year, and he's been traveling the country promoting it. Fox reports he's even hired political consultants in early 2024 primary states. That could mean he's thinking about running. One drawback for him is he's not very well known outside of California. Democrats could also find their next presidential hopeful among governors. Fox reports that Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and California Governor Gavin Newsom are seen as potential White House nominees. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Now to an update on the legal battle between former President Trump and the DOJ. Special Counsel Jack Smith is requesting action on the documents from Mar-a-Lago. War crimes prosecutor Jack Smith is heading the investigations into Trump now that Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed him as special counsel. Smith asked Judge Eileen Cannon to halt Special Master Raymond Deary's work. Deary is reviewing the documents the FBI seized from Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Cannon ruled that Trump could be harmed by missing personal documents and appointed Deary to find any protected files. But on December 2nd, a panel of three judges from the 11th Circuit Appeals Court revoked his appointment. The judges withheld the ruling for a week to allow Trump's team time to appeal. They could ask either the full appeals court or the Supreme Court to take another look. Smith says that in the meantime, Cannon should stop Deary's work herself. He argues that halting the review would save resources, those of the court, the special master, and others. He wrote, the parties and special master have deadlines and work that will be rendered moot when the mandate issues. Smith added, Trump lawyers hadn't yet indicated if they planned to appeal. Here's how Trump's team replied. His lawyers said Cannon should not grant Smith's request, writing, the 11th Circuit shortened the time to issue the mandate, thereby decreasing the already limited time available to President Trump to pursue legal options. They said Trump currently opposes any changes to the way the case is being managed and suggested a meeting with the DOJ. If the meeting were to take place before Cannon rules on the motion, it could become a showdown between government lawyers and Trump's team over the special master. 
Now that former President Trump has announced his third run for president, let's take a look at what promises he made during his speech in Florida. Trump described a broad vision for the nation during his announcement speech on November 15th. He gave a list of concrete policy proposals titled the National Greatness Agenda. Voting law reforms have been at the top of Trump's agenda. To eliminate cheating, I will immediately demand voter ID, same-day voting, and only paper ballots. Trump said what's happening with the U.S. elections is horrible, and he wants all votes to be counted on election night. Border security propelled Trump's first presidential run in 2016, and it continues to be a key issue for him. We are going to restore and secure America's borders just like we had them before, best ever. We built the wall, and now we will add to it. In building on border security, Trump also said he will wage a war on drug cartels and human traffickers. But we're going to be asking everyone who sells drugs, gets caught selling drugs, to receive the death penalty for their heinous acts, because it's the only way. And much of Trump's promises focus on Congress. He's proposing to limit how long lawmakers can serve, trade stocks while in office, and lobby after leaving office. To further drain the swamp, I will push for a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress. It's time. It's time. A lifetime ban on lobbying by former members of Congress and cabinet members. We want a ban on members of Congress getting rich by trading stocks with insider information. During his speech, Trump reiterated his position of peace through strength and specifically discussed the threat from nuclear missiles. As events overseas have shown, to protect our people from the unthinkable threat of nuclear weapons and hypersonic missiles, the United States must also build a state-of-the-art next-generation missile defense shield. We need it. Now talking about the military, Trump also commented on President Biden's policies, including the COVID-19 vaccine mandates. We will abolish every Biden COVID mandate and rehire every patriot who was fired from our military with an apology and full back pay. Other items on Trump's agenda cover some of the biggest social issues facing America. Trump is promising to cut federal funds from public schools teaching critical race theory and gender ideology. He also says he aims to prevent men from competing in women's sports. And still to come, over the weekend, almost a dozen cities around the world came together to stand in solidarity with protesters in China. We have more on the events. And Apple is looking to move production of its electronics out of China. The company faces numerous obstacles if it stays. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Around the world, people continue to show their support for protesters in China as the Chinese Communist Party begins arrests. It's been over a week since the deadly fire that spurred on the widespread protests. More than 40 people died when lockdown barriers prevented firefighters from arriving in time. The desire for freedom is hard to destroy. More than 300 people gathered at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Saturday in solidarity with protesters in China. At Penn State University, around 50 students came together in a concert for democracy. As a young generation, the future is belong to us. I know it's horrible, it's scary, but we have to stand up for ourselves. 
you, you don't have anyone else. You gotta stand up for yourself. And and trust me, you're not alone. There is people uh, out there want to, you know, fight for our liberty, fight for the people back at home. We are we are we're all in this together. So a student from Hong Kong says he has been waiting for this day for about three years, ever since the 2019 protests in Hong Kong. I'm really happy to see that people in China are finally having the courage to rise up, to stand against the Chinese Communist Party, and just like Hong Kongers did three years ago. So I hope to, uh, I hope to support them in their fight for freedom, and together, I believe we can bring down the Chinese Communist Party. Another protest in Boston saw a person from mainland China threatening to shoot the organizer of the event. He was arrested by police and later released. This was the fourth rally in a week in the Boston area, showing support for the white paper revolution and those protesting in mainland China. Hundreds in Canada gathered in Toronto and Montreal. In Montreal, a student from McGill University says he used to be pro-government, but after seeing what's been happening in China for the past few years, he's changed his mind. He said although he used to interfere or disrupt activities that supported the resistance in Hong Kong, he has since realized the evil of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, and is now standing on the right side. One organizer says the zero-COVID policy is not the only disaster created by the Chinese Communist Party. And if the Communist Party does not step down, there will be one disaster after another. She encourages all Chinese people to stand up and says only the Chinese people can overthrow the CCP. I feel there's hope for the Chinese people. There's hope for China. The protests for freedom continue in New York, Los Angeles, Sydney and other areas around the world. Around 40 U.S. senators, both Republicans and Democrats, sent a letter to the Chinese ambassador warning the CCP not to respond violently to the peaceful protesters, or else, in their words, there will be grave consequences for the U.S.-China relationship. And the director of the FBI has a warning about the popular app TikTok. He says China could be collecting user data for espionage operations, as well as controlling the recommendation algorithm to influence Americans. And he's not the only official sounding the alarm. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more. FBI Director Christopher Wray outlined key threats posed by the video sharing app and its national security concerns. Its uh, parent company is controlled by the Chinese government. Uh, and it gives them the potential to leverage the app in ways that I think should concern us. Ray says U.S. officials are still working out how to address the risks. The idea of entrusting that much data, that much uh, ability to shape content and engage in influence operations, that much access to people's devices uh, in effect to that government is something that concerns us. He says the app gives the Chinese Communist Party the ability to access millions of devices and engage in different kinds of malicious cyber activity. All of these things are in the hands of uh, of a government that doesn't share our values uh, and that uh, has a mission that's very much at odds with, with what's in the best interest of the United States. TikTok is owned by Beijing-based ByteDance. The company previously claimed that all American user data is stored within the United States, but it has since admitted this is not true. TikTok executives refused to commit to stopping the flow of American data to China in a congressional hearing this September. It's not just the FBI voicing concerns over China using TikTok to gather information on and influence Americans. 
U.S. Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines commented on the matter on the weekend at the annual Reagan National Defense Forum. When asked if parents should be concerned about their kids using TikTok, she had this to say. It's extraordinary the degree to which China in particular, but they're not the only ones obviously, are you know, developing just ex frameworks for collecting foreign data and pulling it in and, uh, and their capacity to then turn that around and use it to target audiences for information campaigns or for other things, but also to have it for the future so that they can use it for a variety of means that they're interested in. United States Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin cautioned on dealings with China at the event. He says we stand in a decisive decade. And these next few years will set the terms of our com competition with the People's Republic of China. And they will shape the future of security in Europe, and they will determine whether our children and grandchildren inherit an open world of rules and rights, or whether they face emboldened autocrats who seek to dominate by force and fear. Austin underscored the need for military strength to ensure that American values, not Beijing's, set global norms in the 21st century. The Pentagon has reported China is on pace to have 1,500 nuclear warheads by 2035. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. A federal judge in New York dismisses fraud charges against Huawei's chief financial officer. It's been four years since her arrest with strained relations between the United States and China. The former CFO is the daughter of the founder of Chinese telecom giant Huawei. Last year, she admitted to misleading global institutions about Huawei's Iran business. It was part of an agreement with U.S. prosecutors. They agreed to put the prosecution on hold until this December and drop the case altogether if she complied with specified conditions. So the move was expected, but even so, it closes a chapter on a particularly fraught phase of U.S.-China relations. Huawei was placed on a U.S. trade blacklist in 2019 over national security concerns and human rights violations. The sanctions have restricted its access to critical U.S. technologies and crippled the firm's smartphone business. Huawei is still charged in the case, which is pending in a district court. The next meeting is set for February 7th, but no trial date has been set yet. In more tech news, Apple is looking to move production out of China. We're seeing the longest wait times for high-end iPhones in 15 years as ongoing problems with COVID restrictions, supply chain issues, and labor unrest in China are forcing Apple to investigate alternatives. Those could include new factories in other countries like Vietnam or India. The potential shift in production comes on top of more than five years of heightened military and economic tensions between the U.S. and China. At one point, 85% of all iPhone Pros were made at a factory run by Foxconn in Zhengzhou, China. Industry analysts say Apple needs to diversify its manufacturing if it wants to continue its growth. And still to come, a spectacular holiday parade is back in Philadelphia for the second year. This event celebrates all winter holidays, including Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and Chinese New Year. And a UPS driver's video of a family leaving snacks for him goes viral. The snacks are a neighborhood tradition. We'll have the details soon when we return. With music and laughter, a huge holiday parade rolled through Philadelphia for a second year. The city celebrates multiple holidays all in one parade. 
It's a wonderful time of the year to be in Philadelphia. Thousands lined the downtown streets Saturday to attend the Visit Philly Holiday Parade. The event made its debut last year, attracting visitors from all over the country. We're very big fans of the parade. The music is wonderful, the dancing is wonderful, it's great. I love it, I was here last year, it was very nice. Parade's great, you know, second, second parade, you know, they had one last year, it was great, so I came out again for this one, so, great. The parade marked all winter holidays, including Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and the Chinese New Year. Bands, balloons, and dazzling floats added to the festivities, despite the evening showers. This was a lot of fun. It was great to see the, the Christmas spirit out, and the weather is wonderful. And it's so great to see everyone out in the street and uh, doing some shopping and exploring some historic sites. And we're just really enjoying our time uh, out in the city tonight. Among the audience were Elaine Ficara, Miss Independence 2022, and Tolawanami Olalea, winner of this year's Miss Philadelphia's Outstanding Teen. Well, I'm so honored to be here at the Visit Philadelphia Holiday Parade, and I'm here with our wonderful Miss Philadelphia's Outstanding Teen. I'm a Miss Independence, and it's an honor to represent Philadelphia and to serve the community. I feel great to be here, even though the rain trying to dampen the parade, literally. Yes. You know, it's good to be here with my sister Queens and just to celebrate the holidays with everyone. A total of 10 marching units made up the event with young performers from Downingtown High School, Baloo High School, and artists from the Falandafa Marching Band and Waste Drum Troupe presenting their traditional music show. The parade kicked off at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, proceeding down Market Street to the City Hall. NTD News, Philadelphia. Next, NTD's Gina Marie brings a strong mind and body. She discusses five foods that were once used as medicine and which still have life-saving properties today. In ancient times, certain foods were highly valued. Some we look at today were worth their weight in gold and empires either rose or collapsed because of them. It's heartening to know that we can avoid pharmaceuticals when we get sick. We can apply home remedies often from the comfort of our own back garden or the refrigerator. Let's start with garlic. Garlic first because it has several hundred therapeutic properties. Always keep a supply handy. It reigns supreme as the broad-spectrum infection fighter. There's a multitude of new strains of bacterial infections resistant to antibiotics, but they can't beat garlic. Next on the list is honey. Bees are to be admired for their relentless pursuit of providing humanity with a range of therapeutic products besides honey. It's a natural sweetener and renowned for healing. Here's a list of other scientifically researched applications. Bacterial infections, burns, candida, conjunctivitis, dermatitis, diabetic ulcer, herpes and staph infections. Next on the list is a very common fruit apples. Yes, it's true, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, specifically cancer specialists. Regular apple consumption reduces the risk of colorectal cancers, a potentially fatal disease. Apples are among the top 10 contributors to total flavonoid intake. Eat more and you'll live longer. Apples are high in micronutrients, vitamin C, magnesium and potassium. Sunlight. Believe it or not, it's a valuable food source for the body by way of what our skin absorbs. Vitamin D regulates over 2,000 genes in the body. 
Sunlight helps to prevent many cancers and has positive effects on these conditions. Alzheimer's disease, depression, dopamine deficiency, dermatitis, influenza, multiple sclerosis, and psoriasis. And one of my favorites, turmeric. Turmeric is rated as one of the world's most important herbs. It was known as the golden goddess in ancient Indian healing, and it has over 500 applications in disease prevention and treatment. You can use it for oxidative stress, inflammation, DNA damage, free radical damage, colorectal, breast and colon cancers, chemically induced liver damage, Alzheimer's disease and tumors. In 2022, Hippocrates wisdom still applies. Let food be thy medicine and let medicine be thy food. A UPS delivery driver's reaction to seeing snacks on a customer's doorstep has gone viral on social media. Tony Hilson Burnett says she and her husband started leaving snacks for delivery drivers during the holidays three years ago. Ever since the height of the pandemic, they have been more reliant on deliveries and wanted to show their appreciation. Oh my god! You guys are the best. The stop that I'm at, like, thank you for the deliveries. You make our holiday shopping so easy. Please take snacks for the red. Thank you! The snacks have become a tradition in their Louisville, Kentucky neighborhood, and the homeowners hope more people will follow their example. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.